Dude, that's like zero to 60 in two seconds. Like, yeah. if you don't eat vegetables, you don't sit down and eat kale. Right. You know? I mean, that that's that's like... Like, even people like me who like vegetables are kind of iffy on kale. Yeah. You know? Um, I ate kale yesterday. I eat it. But, but you know, it's not like I'm like, ooh, give me some kale. Yeah. You know? And I, I, and I back to this, I was like, dude, there's some kale. Yeah. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance and Casey the Travel Planner. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Patrick Ollinger, also an endurance coach and athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for being here, Patrick. We today are talking about our topic. It's topic week. Yes. Last week was our news and research week, and we went on for a while about all sorts of news and research, as a matter of fact. So, uh, But this week, we want to talk about a topic we've been avoiding a little bit. Tell us about it, Patrick. Sure. So today, we're going to have a discussion about nutrition. Now, notice I frame that as we're going to have a discussion, um, because nutrition is something that obviously, I mean, there's an entire field of study around it. It's a very, very broad topic. It's a very big topic. But we wanted to just kind of sit down and have a, a kind of brief discussion about, you know, our kind of personal views on nutrition or, or some kind of rules of thumbs that we have as endurance coaches and athletes. Now, it is backed by research we've done, you know, throughout our lives as, as athletes and coaches. However, it's, it's not so much a list of, you know, point one, point two, point three. It's more just a discussion of, thing, of kind of rules of thumbs that we have about our own nutrition and advice we give to athletes um, of our own. Now, with that said, uh, I do want to start with some overarching points that matter. Um, the first one is, is the most obvious one, and that's that nutrition does indeed matter. It is important <laughs> to be a good endurance athlete. Depending on your pace uh, or depending on maybe your, 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 your race goals, it maybe matters less in a half marathon versus a marathon in terms of like race day nutrition. So there's some variability in terms of how much it matters, like on the day of the race or, or kind of more long-term perspectives. But it, it is a crucial part of any um, training for an endurance sport. Um, for example, if you were going to run a marathon, your body cannot hold enough glycogen to power you through 26.2 miles. So it is important to have a nutritional plan in terms of you know what you want to eat while you're training, what you want to eat leading up to the race, and then during the race. And that's something we can we will touch on in a different podcast. Um, but when you look at nutrition in general, long story short, it does matter. How you eat, how you treat your body, it does matter. It does affect how well you're able to train and then how your body reacts to that training. And the second and less obvious point, although still pretty obvious, is that fueling and nutrition isn't an individual pursuit. And that's an important um, component of this discussion. Um, Because what works for one person may not necessarily work for another. So you really have to try different options to see what works. And there are certainly some rules of thumbs that we can use as starting points to try different things and to um, adopt different strategies. But it is important that each athlete and each coach um, comes up with a bit of an individualized plan. And a lot of times the best way to do that is simple trial and error and process of elimination. Mm-hmm. It is not quite as you know an exact enough science to say drink exactly eight ounces of Gatorade, now drink four ounces of water, okay, now stand on your toes, pat your head, rub your belly, okay. You know, it's not... <laughs> so the point is... That's why we're making this a discussion, because we want to kind of introduce some of our thoughts, 
but it's not so much one where we can say the research says you should do exactly this. Right. And and you know and while, while we're making disclaimers or while while we're kind of uh, uh, laying groundwork here at the outset, um, in Patrick's second point there, I think there was embedded a couple of extra things that that, that I wanted to make sure that I emphasize as well. Um, in addition to the research that we've done, in addition to the athletes that we've worked with. Um, what we're about to share is born out of our own experiences mm-hmm. uh, around nutrition, that sort of thing. Um, Patrick and I have both been watching what we eat over the course of the last several years. Um, yes. And, and, and we both recognize, as human beings have recognized since the beginning of time, uh, that, that food is an important component towards performance, um, both in your life and, and certainly in your sport. Um, and so, so we're going to be talking a little bit from our own individual experience as well while recognizing that our own individual experience doesn't necessarily constitute scientific evidence. Um, Now, that leads into the second thing I wanted to emphasize, and that's this. And I've talked about this a little bit before on this podcast, but um, nutrition science um, is, as far as sciences go, not the most advanced science in the world today. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to take anything away from people who are are nutrition scientists. Um, but it got a later start than a lot of other sciences. When you think about like the great sciences of, of, of history, the great scientists of history, think physics, about, like, for example, like, yeah, like like, yeah. like Isaac Newton, Galileo, you know, Copernicus, those people, right? Those folks did not study biology. They did not study the human body. They studied the heavens. They studied space. And so in the year 1700 and 1800, we knew more about the cosmos than literally we knew about our own bodies. And so biology and human physiology and, and by extension, nutrition science got a later start than all of those things. And so we actually know more about scientific fields that are literally light years away than we know about about our own selves just because we've gotten a later start on it. It doesn't have as deep a history um, inside of Western science. Um, in addition, as I talked about on this podcast um, a year or so ago, um, the field of nutrition science was really polluted um, by yes. some, some Harvard scientists in the late 1960s and early 1970s who fabricated a whole lot of their research while they were on the, pay, uh, the payroll of, of the, the sugar industry. Um, and, and because of that, throughout the 1980s, and particularly into the 1990s, um, we operated on this sort of uh, uh, fat and carbohydrate paradigm um, that, that, that has ultimately now been blown up a little bit. Um, and, and we're kind of in this, this chaotic moment in, in nutrition science right now where, where folks are saying lots of things and, and, and advocating lots of things, not all of which are necessarily scientifically sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... so Nutrition science, while we're going to be talking about some science, it's, it's not as, as well-founded as, as a lot of other sciences. Um, and so, so it was kind of important to say that at the outset as well. Yes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So take it away. So sure. Um, so what we'll do is we'll just bounce back and forth on kind of general rules of thumb that we have kind of as athletes and as coaches. And to kind of build on your last point too, I want to point out one name, and that is Matt Fitzgerald. He's a fantastic resource for runners when thinking about My nutrition. My boy! That's right. <laughs> so when thinking about nutrition for endurance athletes, if you're looking for, for books to read or, or an author to read, to really kind of dive into, uh, his name is a good good place to start. Yeah, and he's written several books. He wrote Diet Cults. He wrote a book that I read several years ago called Racing Weight. That's on the There it is. It's on the, the shelf. Um, he also, for those of you who haven't read, um, he, he also read uh, uh, wrote a book about the mind. 
mm-hmm. um, uh, prior to Alex Hutchinson writing his book about the mind as well. Um, and I can't remember exactly what it was called. Um, he wrote a book called 8020, which was about the importance of taking your easy days easy. Yeah. Um, that's actually still on my nightstand because I refer to it from time to time. Um, and then for those of you who are, are more into the history of Iron Man, that sort of thing, he wrote the book Iron War, mm-hmm. um, which is about that famous race from the, uh, the, the late 80s between Mark Allen and Dave Scott uh, in Kona. Um, and it's a great book, too, and he, he, he mixes in a lot of, of science into that book, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we like Matt Fitzgerald on this podcast. Take it away. <laughs> sure. So with that said, I'll just kind of start with my number one kind of rule in terms of thinking about nutrition. And that is your primary goal with eating is to eat quality. Okay, we've often heard it said in like diet fads or, or you know, kind of diet gurus, so to speak. You know, cut out sugar, cut out this, cut out that. But I think that the bigger, more important point is to eat quality. Okay, we talked about Matt uh, Fitzgerald a moment ago, and he always talks about one of the primary goals, one of the primary nutritional objectives you know, during marathon training is to simply consume enough carbs and enough nutrition to get through the training and to get the most out of your training. So my kind of first kind of rule of thumb is eat quality. So what that means is eat vegetables and eat fruits. Focus on getting those into your diet before focusing on cutting out the rest and in some degree if you kind of fill up with the apples the oranges the vegetables that will help almost you know naturally cut out some of the things like the fast food mm-hmm. right now some of you may be listening saying well i still eat dessert after dinner that's fine but you know from my own personal you know perspective my own personality i like to focus on all right what can i eat and now let's focus on eating that first, and then we'll start from there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, he has a he has a book, his most recent book, I want to say, since you mentioned Matt Fitzgerald, it's called The Endurance Diet, and I talked about it on our, our New Year's Resolution podcast a couple of years ago, um, But um, uh, and he talks about five core habits in there, and one of those core habits, I think it was the first core habit, is is to eat high-quality foods. And what he did in that book, which I think is great, is he, he looked at endurance athletes across cultures, across space, and even mm-hmm. across time, and said, what do they eat? Yes. And, and, and what he found... Um, was that high-performing athletes, regardless of, of um, their culture, regardless of the particular foods that they ate, had a few things in common. And, and the most striking one was that they ate high-quality foods. Um, they and, ate whole foods. They, they, they ate real foods. Yeah. And I'm glad you pointed that out, too. Sometimes we can fall into this trap of thinking, oh, if you just eat bananas, I'm just making something up, that will power your running. But if you think about it, that's kind of depressing because not everybody in the world has always had access to bananas. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting to see that when when Fitzgerald looked at all these different cultures and different elite athletes, not just elite runners, but elite endurance athletes like cross-country skiers, cross-country runners, they found that they each, they had kind of different staples in their diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the East Africans tend to eat like ugali, mm-hmm. you know, somebody in, you know, Norway, a cross-country skier in Norway that's not a staple of their diet. But that doesn't mean that they've all automatically disqualified themselves from a delete performance. They just yeah. get a lot of the same value and the same nutrition from other high-quality foods. Right. Um, and kind of to, to define high-quality foods, those are foods that um, their caloric density is very low. They contain very few calories um, or fewer calories than low-quality food in the same amount of space, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And, and I know you've talked about this before, you know, when we're eating, a lot of times the brain is about 20 minutes or so behind in terms of registering 
when we're full. So if you eat something that is very dense in calories, you're almost kind of stuffing more and more into the garbage bin, so to speak, before your your regulators are saying, all right, stop, we have it. we've had enough, we're full, mm-hmm. we don't need any more. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the, the, the point about the, the, the different, you know, elite athletes across the world eating all types of different foods, it does provide hope that you don't have to eat something specifically. You don't have to eat right. just the East African diet. You don't have mm-hmm. to eat just the British diet mm-hmm. or just the Brazilian diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was fascinating to see how you know, all the different different cultures kind of have their unique diets, but as long as it was as it was high quality, it was enough to get them through the day and get them where they needed to be. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. And you know, recently, and I, I've I've quoted this on several occasions, and I've quoted this on this pa- on this podcast before. Um, uh, Alex Hutchinson said something to the effect of um, the the. There, there is, if it comes in a bottle or in a formula, it's probably not really all that helpful for you. Yes. Um, and and it's, it is interesting that you find, um, you find all sorts of like magic potions or magic foods or eat what the Ethiopians eat and that's going to make you run like the Ethiopians and things right. like that. And, and one of the big takeaways here, and, and this is kind of what you, were, what you just said, is that, that it's not a particular food. Right. Um, and, and really the only thing that has, the only particular things that have been shown in a lab to have a particular impact on your body are caffeine, which is in a wide variety of foods, yep. um, and, and beetroot juice, <laughs> yeah. interestingly enough. Um, and Dwight's so, fruit had it right. <laughs> office reference yeah. from, from, from Patrick Ollinger. Um, but but those are the only two things that really okay they're very specific and caffeine's not even really all that specific mm-hmm. beetroot juice is obviously very specific but but it's about the only thing that you can very specifically say okay beets period and the only place you can get it is beets but but I, I like your Ugali example I mean you know our our is the reason why why uh, Canadians haven't run as fast as Kenyans is because Canadians aren't eating Ugali no of course not yeah. um, there, there's nothing magical inside of that. Um, and so you don't have to eat a particular food if you don't want to. Um, and you, 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 could, you can modify what constitutes quality food across space and across uh, cultures. Yeah. Um, all right, so that actually kind of leads into the second point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and the second point is, is you shouldn't avoid carbohydrates. Um, and this is something I feel strongly about, and this is something that I've said to, to multiple people in, in lots of different places. Um, uh, because of where we are in nutrition science in 2018... Um, you know, throughout the 1990s and into 2000s, um, and, and people my age, people who, who came of age as runners in the 80s and in the early 90s, people um, that are Meb Kofleski's age, um, um, we, we were raised thinking, oh, well, carbohydrates are, are really, really good and, and fat is really, really bad. And that was the sole lens through which we saw everything. Um, and so spaghetti was good. Uh, pretzels were good. Candy was good. Um, and of course, fruits and vegetables were good as well. Those things were okay because they were filled with carbohydrates, right? Um, uh, things with fat were bad. Uh, donuts were bad. Bacon was bad. Butter was bad. Eggs were bad, right? Because those things didn't have fat in them, or don't tend to. They do have fat in them. Um, and and since we've kind of broken out of that of that carbohydrate high carbohydrate low fat paradigm. Uh, since we've started seeing the, the, the benefits of good fats from things like avocados and olive oil, uh, since we've started seeing that protein has an important role for endurance athletes in, in helping uh, repair muscles, since, since we've started generally recognizing those sorts of things, people have, have then stretched that to the idea of oh, that carbs are evil. 
yes. and that carbohydrates should be avoided. Um, and then you have this whole entire uh, entire anti-carb approach that has to do around ketosis and all that sort of thing, um, which is not scientifically sound at all. Um, and so, um, so, so this idea that carbs are evil or that the carbohydrates shouldn't be eaten um, is just incorrect. Um, virtually everything has carbohydrates in it. Plants and vegetables are almost entirely carbohydrates. Right. Um, and so if you're saying that carbs are evil, you're saying that plants and vegetables are bad for you. Fruits and vegetables are bad for you. They're not. Um, <laughs> that is some hill to die on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and in addition, um, uh, your body is fueled, your brain is fueled by, by carbohydrates. Um, the vast majority of running that you do Virtually all of the running you do is going is going to to, to use or, or to draw on some amount of your carbohydrate stores, and the place where you get those is of course from your diet. Now, what is bad? Highly processed grains, so so mm-hmm. highly processed cereal uh, things like that. Added sugar, not okay, right? Things that you find in candy, things that you find in in, in cake, things that you find in sweets, um, but they're bad not because they're carbohydrates, um, but it's because they've all the, the the good nutrients have been taken out of them. Um, because they raise your insulin levels and because they're often high in added fats and sodiums and, and, and lots of weird ingredients as well. And so it's not that carbs are evil. It's that junk food is evil. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that people have started using, well, I'm going to cut all the carbs out of my diet. Are you really going to cut all the carbs out of your diet? You should still be eating sweet potatoes. That's right. okay. Right. It's okay to eat chickpeas and black beans, right? Those things are entirely carbohydrates. Yeah. Um, eat those things. You should eat those things. If you're when you say I'm going to cut carbs on my diet, if you're talking about cutting cake and ice cream out of your diet, that's probably okay. There's a right. lot of carbs in those things as well as lots of other things that that, that are not necessarily good for. But you. it's not the carbs you're cutting out that's the good stuff. Exactly. Right, or the it's good the, it's the it's the the added sugar, the added fat, the sodium and all the weird chemical ingredients, mm-hmm. all that stuff that you can't pronounce until on the side of your cereal box, yeah. right? Um, and so so um, don't fall into this trap of thinking that carbohydrates by and large in totality, are bad for you. They're not. Eat whole foods. Whole foods that are high in carbohydrates that will fuel you. Um, uh, don't fall into the sort of overcorrection that, that some people are falling into in 2018 of thinking that all carbohydrates are bad uh, and therefore you should avoid all of them. Avoid added sugar, and there is a lot of added sugar in a lot of products in the United States today. Avoid highly processed foods, highly processed uh, grains and carbohydrates. Um, but don't avoid carbohydrates. That's a that, that, that that's a, that's a ridiculous step to take. Yeah, and I think what really muddies the water there is a lot of our refined grains, like a lot of the white rice and the, the bread that you find at your your supermarket, uh, a lot of the bread you find at Subway, for example. Mm-hmm. That's not really a high quality food. Mm-hmm. That that's a very high processed food. So then maybe people associate that with high carbs. Mm-hmm. Therefore, cut out the high carbs. But it's really it's not the high carbs that's bad. Fruits and vegetables have high carbs, and they're amazing for you. That's what you want. Those are the high-quality foods. Mm-hmm. It's really the foods that are masquerading as high-quality, mm-hmm. like the refined grains, the processed bread, things like that. Um, the cereal. Now, the I love, cereal. Now, I love a good bowl of cereal. Don't get me wrong. Like, if, if you said, George, you can only eat one more type of food for the remainder of your life, I, it would be cereal. Star Wars cereal too. Let's be honest. Oh, I wish. Um, <laughs> but 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 no, I I love some cereal. I grew up eating cereal, and I still like cereal today. Yeah. Um. But cereal is a food that, as Americans, we've convinced ourselves is good for us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and we've been convinced by marketing that's good for us. And, and I mean, uh, how could it not be? Bill Cosby told us it was good for oh, us. Oh yeah, Bill Cosby, <laughs> that paragon of of, of of the moral high ground. Um. But but 
but we've convinced ourselves that, that, that it's part of a balanced breakfast, right? Right. right. Um, uh, along with a couple pieces of toast and a glass of orange juice. Um, and so, so this, this, this idea that cereal is good for you is, is probably something that needs to be shed, even though I do enjoy a good bowl of cereal from time to time. So eat quality, eat carbs, mm-hmm. and then along those same lines, when we talk about like, uh, you know, a- avoiding like the, the additive sugars, also know that if you do enjoy a bowl of cereal every, every morning, that doesn't mean you've blown it for the day. And at this point, you might as well have ice cream. Mm, it's, you do have some space to say, you know what? I love me a bowl of cereal or I love me some Coca-Cola. And this is going to be my, you know, my uh, guilty pleasure, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that can almost be helpful to know that's not a winnable battle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you only want to pick yeah. one. You don't want to say that for all three meals, seven days a week. Yeah. Um, I, it, I, it's all cumulative. It's all... Uh, you know, it, it builds on itself. So just know if you do have a birthday cake, that doesn't mean you've blown your cover. It simply means, all right, let's continue to eat quality and kind of, you know, keep the good train going, so to speak. Right. right. I, I think that's very common, by the way. I, I mean, the birthday cake is something we're going to talk about in a few minutes here. Um, but but I, I do think that's very common to be like, okay, I'm going to be really good today. Right, and I, I'm I'm going to wash what I ate today. I'm going to be really good. And then somebody puts a bowl of M and M's on your desk, and you have a couple of M and M's. You're like, ah, oh, to hell with it, and you eat the entire bowl of M and M's. And then you 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 stop off at Minchie's on the way home, and then and then right. you order a pizza, and you have a burrito, whatever. You know, um, uh, I I I I think that that happens quite often. Yeah, I've even <laughs> yeah. stopped myself mid meal and be like, you know, I was really <laughs> craving this burger, and I think I'm good now. So instead of like. Just going whole hog into this and crushing the entire Angus burger. I'm just gonna wrap this up. There you go. Very nice. Very nice. It's, it's the law of sunken costs or the the fallacy of the sunken cost. Okay, so so you want to talk about uh, a good study? So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll share with you one of my favorite studies in nutrition. It was a study from 2007. It was out of Cornell, um, and and um, I think it was published in 2007 or 2005. Anyway, uh, right there in the mid 2000s, um, and and um, a uh, scientist, exercise, or a, a, a nutrition scientist, um, filled a bowl with cream of tomato soup, right? Um, and and he had a tube going out the bottom of the bowl, and and um, had people eat until they were done eating. And this is actually going to segue kind of nicely into to your next point. I know. Yeah. Uh, and so so they they would eat until they they said they were satisfied, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and. Um, for some of them, the bowl would be just, you know, a full bowl. And they'd eat the bowl of tomato soup, and they'd get to the bottom, and say, do you want more? And they'd say, no. Right? They were satisfied when they got to the bottom of the bowl, and the bowl was empty. But then he hooked up this tube to the bottom of the bowl that emptied the bowl. Right? Hmm. Or, or that, no, refilled the bowl. Refilled it, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and so, so people basically, as they were eating it, the bowl wouldn't get emptier. Right? Um, and he found that people... Uh, who who were able to continue eating out of this bottomless bowl ate 73% more soup. 73% more soup, almost twice as much soup as the people who just simply ate to the bottom of the bowl. That's like a whole other meal. Oh, almost. yes. Yeah. And so, so um, anyway, the point being that, that, that there's all sorts of other factors that play into what we decide to eat besides like what we're feeling or what, we're, what, what our body wants or what our body needs, right? Um, you know, the people in this study were making a determination about whether they were full or not based on whether the bowl still had soup in it. Yeah. 
uh, and they were like, oh no, I'm still hungry because there's still you know, a full bowl of soup in front of me. Uh, you know, later, you know, then 40 ounces later. Right, right. <laughs> they're, like, they're, like, they're like, okay, I'm about done eating this soup even right. though the bowl's not full. Now that I'm around. Yeah. That's, that's like another <laughs> kind of rule of thumb for me, which actually gets back to your New Year's resolution, which we'll touch on here in a second. Oh, great. Um, I ne- if, I, if I were to say to myself, I'm just going to grab this box of cookies and I'll just graze on them while I eat TV, that box is gone. Oh, yeah. I have never in my life just had one or two, you know, Chips Ahoy cookies or Oreos, mm-hmm. then like rolled the sleeve back up and put it nicely back in the pantry. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there, we are visual creatures. Mm-hmm. And so there are some kind of mind tricks you can play where you say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to put what I need on my plate. Yeah. And then I'll put the rest away so I can't mm-hmm. see it. But if you were to have like a family style serving in in mm-hmm. front of you, maybe if you only, if it's only one or two people eating, and it's like, oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna grab the soup out of the crock pot as we as we go. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, three bowls of soup later, mm-hmm. or you know, two servings later, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've eaten a lot more than you needed or even intended. Oh yeah, and that's something that the, the nutritionists will often say, and, and something that the the during the the times that I'm watching what I eat more. Um, that I always make sure that I do is you serve yourself a plate or you get yourself a bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, eating out of a bag, you'll just you'll just eat out of that bag, and you'll you'll eat far more than you will if you're like you know what this is a reasonable amount of chips or this is a reasonable amount of crackers, and so I'm going to put them on the plate and I'm going to eat what's on the plate. If you just eat the and then the, I'm gonna put the rest away so it's yeah, out of sight, out exactly. of mind. Exactly, but 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 if you or at the very you, least out of sight. Yeah, but 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 if but if you just reach into the bag and just eat a cracker and then another 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 another. You, you are bound to eat far more crackers or far more other things. And, and you know what? They want you to do that. I mean, they, 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 the, the Lay's potato chips, you know, the, the slogan is, bet you can't eat just one. I mean, they literally market that. Yeah. They, they make it like a positive thing. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, bet you can't use one. Here, see if you can eat. Yeah, I mean, um, and they, 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 they dare you to do it almost. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, the point being, and this is actually a side point, I suppose. We, we started off this major point by talking about how carbs aren't evil. Um, is that, that, that marketing certainly can play into, and, and other factors can play into to what you're eating. But that does play into your next point. Yeah, and, and then kind of the, the third kind of point of discussion is eat when you're hungry. Um, as we discussed earlier, as, as you know, we, we talked about, you know, Matt Fitzgerald has always said, one of the primary nutritional objectives when you're training for an endurance sport or an endurance race is consuming enough carbs to get the most out of training, right? It sounds simple, but carbohydrates are one of the two major energy sources you have for running. The reason you feel hungry after a long run or a long workout is because your body needs those carbs. It needs that nutrition. It may even need that fat because fat is the second energy source we have in long endurance sports. So eat when you're hungry. Um, For the same reason runners generally need more carbs than non-runners, or you know, non-athletes or non-endurance athletes, when you have a heavy training load, you'll probably need to eat a little more. So eat when you're hungry. Um, that's also key to me because if I deny myself, like let's say I'm hungry for lunch and I'm in a meeting and I'll say, okay, I'll get out of this meeting at 2, walk over to the cafeteria, I'll eat at 2.30. By the time I actually get to the cafeteria at 2.30, I'm ordering five meals because <laughs> my willpower has kind of been depleted. My carbs have, you know, my, my hunger has reached a bit more of a higher level. And so then I'll end up crushing meals instead of just kind of having the, the, the meal I want. Mm-hmm. So I would say eat when you're hungry and just eat slowly. Mm-hmm. By eat slowly, once again, don't devour the meal because there, uh, there is a bit of a delay in terms of when your brain says, no, no, I'm done, mm-hmm. and when you're actually done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I always, um, ha- having sons is fascinating. Having children is fascinating. 
You uh, learn a lot, don't you? You, you, learn, you learn a lot, but more than that, it, it gives you a window into nature. Yeah. Um, and so my sons, um, I mean, they're four years old now. Mm-hmm. And so, so they're about have, six feet tall. Yeah. And, yeah. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're literally off the growth chart for four year olds. Yeah. Like, like, and I recognize, Oh, they're off the chart. No, they're actually off the chart. Like mm-hmm. we can't say they're 99th percentile because 99th percentile is shorter than they are. By several inches too. Like if yeah, for those no. who are listening have never seen them. Yeah, they never think they're they're four. ridiculous tall. But but here's the funny thing too is that they're in the fiftieth percentile of weight, <laughs> and so so it's not like they're big and tall. They're tall and skinny. Yeah, which is I mean I don't guess I should be surprised, but but um, but it, but it's an interesting window into nature um, because um, they're they're just now starting to get marketed to yes. at age four. Right, so they're just now starting to see commercials and starting to like things as, as a result of marketing. At best, yeah. they at best they have like secondary marketing. Right, right? Like, like they like things because the kids at their school like it, or because their their uncle who they adore, who's in ninth grade, likes it. Um, yeah. You know, and so, so or the so, tricks, you know, box is colorful and right, red, right, yeah, yeah, with the bunny I mean, rabbit. So, so, but 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 they they don't know what tricks is, and so they're not asking us to go buy it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so, so, so at best, we've been marketed to as adults, and we're like, okay, I'm going to buy this because this is a kid's thing, and then I give it to my kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, the, the, and so it's kind of interesting to see the, the natural state. And one thing that I will say about them and their eating habits is that, and I, that I really appreciate, is that they will only eat when they're hungry. Yeah. And they'll eat a really wide variety of things. Um, uh, and, and that's not to say that they don't like junk food. They do. Um, but, but for the most part, if they had a lot to eat at two o'clock in the afternoon, if dinner time rolls around at five thirty and they're not hungry anymore, they're not going to eat. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter whether it's something they loved yesterday or loved the day before. If they're not really hungry, they're not going to eat it just because they only tend to eat when they're hungry. Um, and I'm really kind of struck by that as I watch them, because I think as adults, we do tend to spend a lot of time eating when we're not hungry or not eating when we are hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so you kind of mentioned, you know, make sure you eat when you're hungry. I, I, I kind of also want to draw attention to the flip side. Um, obviously you need to eat, but don't eat for the sake of eating. You know, don't, don't eat when you're not necessarily hungry. Don't eat cause it's noon and, and, and now it's time for you to eat. Right. Um, or because um, you're sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you're sad or because you just saw something on TV, um, or because you're thirsty. Cause as we talked about in our hydration podcast, uh, high, uh, sometimes dehydration can manifest itself as hunger. Um, don't eat because it's Janice's birthday. Um, you know, my wife and I have talked before about how a lot of times we convince ourselves that something is a special occasion. Um, and you know, and like every two weeks too. Yeah. 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 It, you know, if you're in a big office, yeah, you can yeah. find, and, and yeah, the Super Bowl is a great example. Oh, well, it's a Super Bowl. So I can do it. I don't care about NFL football. Yeah. I really don't. George named three players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Matt Ryan. Done. Yeah. I can't name another one. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly can't, actually, now that I think about it. Randy Moss, does he still play? That is a heavy no. He's like, he was out like six <laughs> Tom years Brady. ago. Tom Brady. I can name him there you because go. he's married to Giselle. And um, he's like 45, so at this point you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. He's been around for a little while, and he's won like a whole bunch. And he went to Michigan like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan. But that, the point is... That's all I got for you. Yeah. But but the point is that, that for me that's not a special event. Yeah. But but if I but if I went to a Super Bowl party I'd be like oh they got pizza here oh well, it's a special event it's 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 
it's a Super Bowl, so I can eat a whole bunch of garbage. Yeah. That's not really a special event for me, and so I shouldn't convince myself that it is. I went to a, a wedding. I went to Josh Glass's wedding a couple weekends ago mm-hmm. uh, and had a piece of wedding cake. That's a special event. Um, I was glad and honored to be invited to Josh Glass's wedding, and I had a good time. Um, but, but yeah, the Super Bowl is not a special event for me. Janice's birthday at work is not really a special event. Yeah, so identify what is a special event and also what is an actual special food. Mm-hmm. Right, like for me, I can tell you, I love Coca-Cola, um, but like beer just doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. So take the easy victories. Mm-hmm. If beer I'm the opposite. You know, if beer doesn't really do anything <laughs> for you, like just say, you know what, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, take the easy victories yeah. instead of killing yourself to cut out Coca-Cola mm-hmm. and then crushing beer or, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least that's my personal philosophy is... Look at it as a simple risk-reward. Mm-hmm. I like this, but it would be very easy to cut it out and have a mm-hmm. huge nutritional gain. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I do like beer. Um, but at the same time, I don't like cheap beer. Yeah. Um, and so so uh, my father-in-law offers me a cheap beer, and I'm not going to drink it. Yeah. Because that's not worth it's it. It's not worth me. it, yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, my wife and I have had, had conversations about what's worth it. Um, uh, donuts are not usually worth it for me. On Mother's Day, we did actually have some nice craft donuts that I bought for my wife, and it was fun. Um, but those will probably be the only donuts I eat in 2018. They're just not really worth it to me because yeah. they're not that great. Cheap donuts are not. Dunkin' Donuts or like Intamins that you buy, that's not worth it. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's not worth the, the, the nutritional digression. And I um, think you just you know kind of transition ni- nicely into your final point, exactly. your final rule of thumb. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's circling back around to something that we talked about at the top, and that's, that's to know yourself. Um, um, to, to, know, to know yourself uh, Patrick said that, that it's very individualized um, and that you need to make sure that you are taking into account your, your individual situations um, and, and I, would, I would say that as well um, uh, I would say that, that whatever your nutritional plan is uh, and whatever your nutritional approach is it needs to be something that's particular to you now again don't misconstrue um, don't get it twisted and say, say oh well carbs are evil for me <laughs> right? um, uh, because no they're not um, but but you do need to make sure that you, you kind of tailor things to your own life um, so and, and there's a couple of specific ways that I would say this first I think with your schedule in your life yes um, and so several years ago I went to see a nutritionist in 2010 I went to see a nutritionist and at that time I was a high school teacher um, and actually, it might have been even 2009 um, and, and as a high school teacher you have a very regimented life yes um, and and probably the only people that have more regimented lives than high school teachers are elementary school teachers. Yeah. Um, and and so I could tell you any day of the week exactly where I was going to be. If you said, George, where are you going to be at Tuesday at 2 o'clock? I could tell you where I was going to be. Yeah. And um, for those of you who maybe don't have teachers in your life, when my mom is a teacher, I interviewed teachers for my master's thesis. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't go to the bathroom at 2 o'clock if you're teaching. Right. Like, it is, like, very... It is things you don't think about when you work in an office. Like, you have to eat at exactly this 20-minute window. You have to hit the head at exactly this window, and there are no exceptions, no matter how you're feeling. Exactly. So it's a super regimented life. And so I went to see the nutritionist, and she said, okay, this is what you need to eat. These are the times you need to eat it. And it worked for me as a teacher. Because I could say, all right, class changes here. I'll eat this here. I'll eat this here. And I I figured out a routine, and I did it. Mm -hmm. Ad infinitum. Right? Um, and, and, it, and it worked. When I became a college professor, my, my, my life was not as, as routine anymore. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you where I was going to be at 2 o'clock on Tuesday anymore. 
um, from week to week and certainly not from day to day. Um, and so having this really rigid approach never didn't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I needed to have a different approach. And so your schedule, your life is going to influence what it is you need to do. You know, you mentioned just a few minutes ago um, being in a, a meeting around lunchtime. If you know you have a lot of lunchtime meetings, you need to kind of work out a plan around not getting super hungry um, prior to your lunchtime meeting and then crushing a whole bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, my wife... Um, in addition to being a travel agent, um, she also does uh, a lot of really early morning teaching uh, yeah. on, on the software that's kind of like Skype. Um, and so she'll get up at 5 a.m. And then the rest of us get up at 7.30 and she wraps things up around 8.30. Is she going to have breakfast then? Like, how's that going to work? Right? And then right. she goes to bed at night at 9 o'clock. Well, she's already been up. Yeah, what, what, do, what does she have to eat when she gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning? Right, right. She had to kind of work that out. She had to figure that out. Otherwise, she would be getting, getting too hungry. So anyway, um, do that. Number two, along knowing yourself, I would say I would say know your preferences. And this is kind of like what you just said with, mm-hmm. with, with Coca-Cola. So, so know the things that you like. Um, several years ago, there was a guy that I know um, who's an endurance athlete, an ultra-endurance athlete, who doesn't like vegetables. I don't know. He's an adult and he doesn't like vegetables. I don't totally understand that, but whatever. Um, Back but, to our discussion of the four-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and um, so he posted on Facebook that, that he was he was going to, you know, I wanted I was I, I was resolved I was going to try, try and start eating vegetables. And so I, I sat down and tried to eat some kale. I don't know how y'all do that. It's gross. And I was like, kale? Dude, that's like zero to 60 in two seconds. Like, yeah. if you don't eat vegetables, you don't sit down and eat kale. Right. You know? I mean, that that's that's like... Like, even people like me who like vegetables are kind of iffy on kale. Yeah. You know? Um, I ate kale yesterday. I eat it. But, but you know, it's not like I'm like, ooh, give me some kale. Yeah. You know? And I, I, and I backed it up. I was like, dude, have some carrots. Have yeah. Some, have some lettuce or some spinach. Like, right. Like, peas. Start small. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't have to... You don't have to, to start with kale. Right? Um, and so, 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 so know what your preferences are, know what you like. Um, if you, if you like Coca-Cola and that, that's a reward for you, then, then structure that as a reward in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, make that something that you appreciate. Um, the third thing I would say along knowing yourself is to know your culture. Um, if you're in a culture that, that, that values three meals a day, make sure you keep that in mind. Um, don't come up with something where you're going to be eating six meals a day if you, if you're heavy into a three meal a day culture. Um, be mindful of that. Um, don't try and, kind of back to the Ugali uh, uh, example, don't try and, and say, oh, I'm going to eat everything that Kenyans eat because Kenyans eat a whole lot of different things because they come from a different cultural background. Yep. Um, so obviously keep that in mind as well. Um, and then finally, as far as knowing yourself, I would say to know your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, know, know what you are good at. Know, know, re- recognize when you are strong in your nutrition. And then recognize your triggers as well. Frozen yogurt is a is a is a trigger food for me, if you will. I, I can't eat just just one bowl of frozen yogurt. Trail mix is a is a is a trigger mm-hmm. food for me. I can't eat just a little bit of trail mix, right? And so, generally speaking, I stay away from those things. But then I eat a lot of them during my week after the race when I'm rewarding myself for for having stuck to my nutritional goal so well. So 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 know yourself, know your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and make sure that you 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 use those in your instruction your nutrition plan as well. Yeah, and along those same lines, kind of two quick things that really kind of add another layer on all the things that you pointed out. First, know thyself physiologically, mm-hmm. right? You know, there are obviously medical conditions like maybe diabetes or something where mm-hmm. there's a real individualization plan that needs to be put into place. Mm-hmm. Second, um, 
eating is not a simple input-output. I mean, it can be a very emotional thing in a lot of people's life. There's a reason when people talk about how much fun they had traveling, they talk about the foods they ate. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked about, I have an affinity for Coca-Cola. I can tell you exactly why. It's because growing up, we were only allowed to have Coca-Cola on Sundays, and I would drink one cup with my dad while we watched football on Sundays. I mean, come on, how much more of a good emotional strong experience can you have when when i when i teach classical conditioning in my class next semester i will be using that as an example that is exactly (laughs) right there i mean i you know i love football i love my dad oh look there's coca-cola i mean it is pavlov's dog why did i not why did i not have an affinity for alcohol because we were chugging budweiser's (laughs) as a seven-year-old so it's it's important to note you know because you know there is some kind of emotional health and some emotional components to this so I do think that is something that needs to be kind of you need to be made aware of when you're thinking about what you eat and why you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you mentioned traveling. I think that's a good one for me to mention as, as one of my personal examples yeah. as far as strengths and weaknesses goes and knowing yourself. Um, uh, when I travel with my wife, um, we we eat nice food. Yeah. Right. And 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 that's a part of the traveling experience for us. Mm-hmm. Um, um, within reason. Um, uh, we eat good food when we're traveling, right? Yeah. We don't eat fried Twinkies when we're traveling. We don't eat circus right. peanuts in the car. You don't eat right? the PBJ you were eating in right. high school routine. Exactly. We 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 um, we enjoy whatever is on offer at that place. We're going to Alaska this summer. It's gonna be my 49th state in the United States. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, and and when we're there, we're gonna enjoy some salmon. Absolutely. Now salmon we enjoy anyway. I mean, it's obviously good for you. But we'll all we'll we'll enjoy some other like you know high end, really high quality food as well. Um, when we're on vacation, I look forward to that. That's gonna be fun. It's gonna be good. I'm not gonna eat cereal all day just because we're on vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and so so yeah. By all means, eat when you travel. Um, and, and we do. But um, but but don't use that as an excuse to say, well, I'm just going to let everything go. Mm-hmm. Um, so to so to recap, kind of we have kind of four general rules of thumb we just discussed today. Um, number one, eat quality. If in and in, kind of subset of that is eat quality first. If you eat your your fruits and vegetables first, that can cut down on the crave. If you start eating the ice cream first, lo and behold, the entire bucket's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so eat quality, and if you focus on just cutting out bad stuff. It's not that bad stuff is poisonous. It's just that's not the way our brain works. You know, George, if I tell you don't think of pink elephants, what are you thinking of? Pink. Gray whales. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you know, so keep it positive and focusing, focus on infusing the positive quality foods rather than focusing on cutting something out necessarily. Um, and then second key point. Uh, the second key point, of course, is that carbs aren't evil. Mm-hmm. They're in everything, and they fuel everything. Uh, what you want to avoid is highly processed grains and added sugar. Um, but you do not want to avoid carbohydrates. Avoid carbohydrates for the sake of avoiding carbohydrates. They're in fruits and vegetables. Um, eat your whole foods. You're going to get your carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And then third, eat when you're hungry. It sounds simple, uh, but it's a good one. Eat when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. And, of course, know yourself. Recognize the, the issues in your in your life and in your schedule. Recognize your preferences. Honor your culture. And, of course, recognize your strengths and weaknesses, too. Mm-hmm. All right, Patrick, what else you got? That's all I had for today. Right Enjoyed on, Enjoyed it. Right on. Me, too. Um, if you have specific questions about nutrition, because, again, we opted to go pretty general here. Specific things you're wondering, specific arguments you want to make, specific things you want to offer. Reach out to us via email. Reach out to us on Twitter. Reach out to us on the Facebook page. Thanks again for joining us, everybody.
And that'll do it for another installment of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Make sure that you reach out to us on Twitter, at Pleasant Podcast, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pleasant Podcast. Reach out to our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance, at ITL Coaching on Twitter, at ITLCoaching.com, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. And don't forget about our other sponsor, Casey the Travel Planner. You can find her on Facebook at facebook.com slash Casey Travel Planner MEV. You can drop her an email at Casey Travel Planner at gmail.com. That's K A C I E Travel Planner at gmail.com. Or just go to her website, CaseyTravelPlanner.com. On behalf of Patrick Ollander, this is George Darden. Thanks again for joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.